replacement find me up for the phase four and uh the third actually that's right up You also have it in the maps you got from Ryan. Uh, uh, right here, the three-way border is right here. And I have to start saying that this border line, you know, the field, has actually been set up and drew by the Brits and the French up in 1923. As you said before, the background, the groups of people living on both sides of, of that border. They followed their own interests only, what was the interest of the French at the time. The French wanted to establish a Christian state, a Christian entity, in this very, very Muslim area of the Middle East. They found Lebanon at the time to be the right place for that. They claimed to have a majority of Christians in Lebanon at the time. So Lebanon was the target. And what was the interest of the, of the Brits? To bring oil from Iraq to the Mediterranean Sea. So based on these two main interests, actually they've negotiated seven years were to draw uh, a line. And up to, and, and basically in 1923, they agreed that this is going to be the line. Now, after 1967, the border used to go up through here and went down this way, from here this way along the Jordan River, down to the Sea of Galilee. Officially, the line went exactly 10 meters, 33 feet east of the east of the, of the water line. It then continues along the Jordan River down to the Dead Sea. First of all, why did 33 feet east of the water line was important? Because everything on that side became part of the British mandate. Later on, the state of Israel. Whatever was on the other side was the French mandate that became eventually, in this case, Syria, and of course, over here, Lebanon. These were all under the French control. It means that this guaranteed that the entire lake would remain under Israel control as Israel was born in 1950. So no matter what the water level of the lake would be, the border would actually move <coughs> with, the, with the water level. <laughs> 10 meters or 33 feet east of the water level. That's very, very important. The other thing you can see is that this created the shape of a finger. So when we drove along this road, number, uh, Highway 90, and I pointed out Naftali Ridge, that's the very narrow ridge over here across the bit, across the peak of it, that becomes Lebanon. So Lebanon would be to the north, Lebanon would be to the west of where we are. Uh, and this shape of a finger gave it also the name, the Galilee's finger. That's a very common name after the David Galilee's finger. Unfortunately, uh, no, normally in the uh, last, I mean, I wouldn't say in the last, uh, what is it, uh, 15 years, it's, it's been quiet here, but I mean, before that, the whole tensions between Israel, Lebanon, etc., were mostly all around this area of the So the Galilee's finger has been in the news mostly for that kind of matter. So otherwise, it's a very peaceful and beautiful place to in 1967, Israel took over this chunk of land, which is what we call today the Golan Heights. We spoke about the meaning of the name Golan from the Bible, the land of the Bashan, and of course, it actually extends into Syria. So only a small part of the Golan Heights is in Israel, the rest of it is in Syria. By the way, when we say Heights, is a high plateau. So think if we see just, just the uh, western side of the slope and the top of it, but it goes almost as a beautiful flat plateau east 
into Syria. And that's why it's very, very comfortable to actually live over there. The land is very, very fertile. The soil is very fertile. It's volcanic. So um, we grow, I mean, almost everything on top of the Golan Heights. Also, it's a great wine country because it's cold. It's high elevation. It's cold. And it's a dry cold. That's what the grapes actually mean. It gets warm enough in the summer. So the grapes suffer enough. The vines actually suffer enough. What actually creates very, very good quality of grapes, good, good wines. And that's actually uh, what we have in the Golden Heights, except for cherries and other stuff. Um, saying that, more importantly, this is then where we drove by the kibbutz, so the tributary is over here. And over here there is another tributary of the Jordan River named Hatzmani, after the village of Haspaya in Lebanon, where the, actually the spring actually come from. And these three tributaries eventually <coughs> merge together here to become the Jordan River. Why is this important? Because after 1967, only one out of the three tributaries of the, of the Jordan River has been under Israeli control. Means between 1948 and Dan was under Israeli control, Khatzbani was in Lebanon, Banias was in Syria. And why is this important? Because in 1964, Israel realized, actually earlier, Israel realized that in order to develop this country, to be able to bring many more Jews to live in the Remember, 60% of the country is a desert. We need to develop the desert. Otherwise, we cannot just stick to the central part of the country. And therefore, Israel started to operate what we call after today the national water carrier. Israel carries water from the lake to the rest of the country. The national water carrier started to be operated in 1964. Now, remember what feeds the lake? Jordan River. What creates the Jordan River? The three tributaries, only one is under Who didn't like the idea? Of course, Syria. Since said, if we let Israel get developed, and before 1967, there was a major, major deception of the Arab world led by Egypt, and Gamal Abdel Nasser, the president of Egypt, that they would have to fulfill three main conditions. One, to be military prepared. Second, to have the support of one of the superpowers of the time, just to remind the 60s, Cold War. <coughs> and, uh, um, and third, to have the unification of the majority of the Arab countries together. When we actually have the three conditions being fulfilled, we should strike Israel in one big strike and actually eliminate the So Syria realized if Israel gets developed and gets stronger, the whole idea of eliminating, eliminating Israel would be harder to accomplish. To be accomplished. And therefore, what they were trying to do is to deactivate the Israeli national water carrier. How would you do it? Dry out the lake. How would you dry out the lake? Stop the water supply. <coughs> Remember, one out of the three tributaries are under Israeli control, but the two others are not. And they actually start to work on a project called the, the water diversion to divert the water from Lebanon to Syria and to build a water channel, an aqueduct along the Golan Heights to bypass the lake and actually to send the water down to here and then place it by the sea, by the dead sea. And of course this time Israel did not like all of that project started to be built in 1966. So what I'm describing here is this fire changing and tensions over the water of the tributaries of the Jordan River and the Sea of Galilee of course. This is the background for the outbreaking of the six-day war. Yes. 
then the research, it's called the campaign of the battle of the water in the north of the country. That actually was initiated the whole conflict of 1967, water. And if we look at throughout the history of this land, the land of Israel, water is the most important resource that we rather have a lot. Okay? It's not just to have water. Do you know how we say in Hebrew water? Mayim, Mayim. How do we say skies? Shamayim. Sham. So if you split it, Sham, Mayim. Sham is there. Water comes from there. There is water. Now, do you know the uh, the chapter from, um, it's from Numbers and then Leviticus and then Deuteronomy as well. Uh, the prayer of Shema Israel, you probably heard it, right? Shema Israel, deny the real. Listen, oh Israel, God is our God is one. And then you have a hafta, you praise God, you love God with all your heart. Then it continues, If you listen to me, you obey my words, you follow my my, my mitzvot, my laws, what is going to be the reward? I don't know if you remember that chapter. What's going to be the reward? Rain. Not just rain, rain on time. See, my father is a farmer. He doesn't need the rain to come in August. It wouldn't help him. It will ruin all of his crops. He needs the rain to come on time. And if you disobey, what's going to be your punishment? What's the worst of the worst you can get in this country? Stop the rain. So water is not just now, uh, I talked about contemporary kind of uh, geopolitics. Water has always been a major, major resource. And even in, like with God, when he wants to bless and to reward us, that would be by giving the rain of time because that's the source of life. Mm. You can mm. grow your food. And if you disobey, you're not able to survive. It will drain, uh, drain it. Stop the rain. So, uh, so, so that's the meaning of water. If you go to, and we're going to see it in Megiddo, as we visit uh, Tel Megiddo, we're going to see it also in Jerusalem, as we visit the city of David, how much effort has been done throughout the history of this land, the long history of this land, to first protect the water, to have access to water, to collect water, and to, even under the times of war, to make sure your water supply has been actually uh, kept in uh, it's always been a major part of it. So Banyas, as a, one of the tributaries of the, of the Jordan River, has actually been very, very important. On top of it, we spoke about the main road, which is after today's main road, even though today you cannot drive the whole way to Damascus due to the contemporary modern political situation. But theoretically, that's the main road connected the Mediterranean Sea with the city of Damascus. Actually, after today, you're going to stop by none border because there is no border there's a big fence but no no crossing uh, so having water source along a major road that's a source for life so the greeks were the first ones to build the town over here as i said i mean dan was the original one which is called out 30 20 years old a canaanite city named laish in the bible and then turned into Dan. and if you remember when abraham was looking for his nephew lot Lot was actually kidnapped and they took him away and he was in the search of his nephew Lot. He got to the gate of Dan. Which is very interesting because at the time the name of the city was not Dan. It's way before the Danites really reached the city. But the name is he got to the gates of Dan. Dan is the major city of the year. Till when? Till Banyas was built originally as a small town dedicated to Pan. 
symbol for paganism and turned into Caesarea Philippi and symbolically in the center for paganism dedicated to, to, to Japan uh, that place eventually became a place where Jesus said you know that rock I'll build my church and Caesarea Philippi is the place. Speaking of the land of Israel and I started with a traditional site of the covenant of Abraham and God etc which is up in the mountain above us. Um, I'll always use the term traditionally as a versus to archaeologically. Uh, the difference is when we have traditions that can be based on some truth but in many cases we don't really have any verifications for the location and therefore we have many what we call Byzantine traditions being added to locations based on different we can discuss what was the motivation why this spot specifically is pointed out but on the other hand we have archaeological sites where we have verifications for archaeological stories Caesarea Philippi is an archaeological site and the city of Caesarea Philippi there is no question about it so when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi we know exactly where he came from there is no question what the site is <coughs> and, and that's what makes actually this place very, very uh, uh, important uh, because we know exactly what and we know the importance of this event. So, uh, actually, what's the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, this morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16. And it's in Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus asked this most powerful question question that we've, all who are preachers, that we've preached this question, that we've been impacted by this question. He asked the disciples, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And then referring to this very place, Jesus said, And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not that the church would take a defensive posture, but that the church would take an aggressive posture, knowing that the gates of hell would not prevail. This place, as you've already mentioned, that was associated with paganism. Sacrifices being made here to a false deity. Jesus refers to this very unholy place and he makes this bold statement. The gates of hell will not prevail. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. What an incredibly substantial moment in the ministry and the life of Jesus. Think, think about this. How many of you have taken comfort in the awareness that the gates of hell will not prevail against this global entity that Jesus Christ created by the power of the gospel? Amen. Called the church. 
this called out people that, that Christ has assembled as his people, the church. How many times have we taken comfort in the fact that, that over the course of a storm or when we hear about global persecution, we rest on the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Even a little while back, I called our church family to pray over those who are the persecuted church around the world. We're being told more now than at any other time in history. And I said to our local congregation, how amazing is it to be a local expression of this global family known as the church. And we have Christ guaranteed that even the gates of hell, not even the very presence of evil, not even the very idea of evil, will be able to prevail against this great church. Our champion Jesus Christ promised that. And how awesome is it to be standing in this place where he, he said to his disciples, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, for just a couple of minutes, does anyone have anything about that text that is incredibly meaningful to you that you would like to share? We're only going to have just a couple, so I know it's Sunday morning and you guys are accustomed to having a pulpit. <laughs> this is not that opportunity. <laughs> but is there anything about this place that, that speaks to you? group of pastors silent on a Sunday morning. Uh, I do think we should pray. Yeah. Yeah. And let's thank the Lord for his promise. Amen. That his church will be safely escorted into heaven one by one. And Christ will not lose a single one. The gospel is effective. And one day we'll worship at the feet of our champion when all of hell and every evil foe and every enemy is under his feet and we are finally rid of evil eternally forever Amen. thank god for that i'm hey. the work of christ is not complete Amen. it's still a work in progress can we thank yes. god for that today amen. amen and so bob ritter why don't you pray for us in this incredibly important place father we thank you for the promise of your word for the promise that came not just from the written word but from the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us from your mouth lord told us we have this surety that as we pastor your church, as we love on the people that we call the local body where we serve, where we know that they have many things in their life that hell and the wicked one is trying to um, just succeed in and defeat them and to sow lies into their souls. And Lord, I pray that even in this moment as pastors and teachers and church members, we could think of those back home that are just... Uh, at war with the lies and Lord I pray that you would help us to as, as as your church here on this hillside this morning find some of those things Lord to to pray for those that we love back home to to lose some things on our congregations that would just spark revival and to find things that would cause defeat in us to dim the message of the gospel Lord we pray that you would just help us to realize that a lot of people gathered here years ago, uh, pagan uh, worshipers, and Lord, here we are occupying space uh, that Satan has enjoyed so much success in, and Lord, that's just the best that's yet to come of the space that we'll occupy when he's eradicated forever. We praise you, Lord, that the gates of hell will not prevail, yes. and we claim that this morning as brothers in Christ, and we'll give you the praise for all you've done, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.